Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It was a pretty good weekend for us. I won't say it was a great weekend because we did get upset in women's basketball, but uh, big recruiting weekend, big news on the bowl front. We're going to talk about all of that today. Thanks for being with us today. A lot a lot going on with Mississippi State Athletics. And, man, how great is it to be a fan and a supporter of Mississippi's finest, finest athletics programs. We get a lot to cheer for. We do. We get a lot to see some cool things. We get a lot to go out of cool places because of uh, Mississippi State. So that's always great. Such a wonderful day. It's a little bit gray outside, but I'll tell you, any day that you wake up and it's still football season is a good day, right? I I think we can all agree with that. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Man, I tell you what, 
that is without a doubt the Robertson restaurant family family restaurant of choice. If I can speak today, uh, everybody loves going. Anytime I ask the kids, "Hey, where do you guys want to go out to eat?" It's always Bulldog Burger. And I've got a couple of college girls now, and so uh, that's close to campus. Matter of fact, it is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, and so. Rather than them go fight traffic in town on 12, they'll just go meet me there. You need to uh, also consider this. I hadn't talked about this much. It was a big hit last year. If you know a starving college student, and chances are that you do, and I mean a Mississippi State starving college student, you need to order them gift cards to Bulldog Burger Company. You can do that right there online. You can go order the gift cards, have them mailed, and, and give that to those kids for Christmas. Everybody's home for Christmas, and everybody gets a chance to put their feet on their mama's table, and they get, you know, everybody gets some, you know, some Christmas cookies and that sort of stuff. But they're going to go back to campus, and uh, there's there's going to come a day, like maybe February 11th or something, that they're going to be starving, and the last thing they want to do is heat up another batch of ramen noodles. You could give them the gift of Bulldog Burger Company. So go visit them on the World Wide Web, or you can stop by and buy the gift cards. So many great options to choose from when you're there personally. But uh, again, let me encourage you, use those gift cards as stock and stuffers. Everybody loves Bulldog Burger Company. With two locations now to serve you on University in Starkville and Gloucester and Tupelo, Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's go ahead and get into the main event. That's going to be the Mississippi State is going to the Music City Bowl. There was a time, you know, here in the last week or so, it looked like Mississippi State was either headed to the Texas Bowl or the Belk Bowl. And because of the fact that we were one of the final teams to qualify for bowl eligibility, many people don't consider us a very attractive bowl team. Maybe that's fair. But we're headed to Music City, which is where we wanted to go. That it's a great trip. I love Nashville. You love Nashville. It is one of the most underrated cities in the United States. So many great things to do there. It's a great opportunity for us to. You know, it's, it's four hours from Starkville. And if we had, to, if we ended up having to go to Charlotte, of course we make the trip up there. But uh, I think maybe we struggle to sell tickets. You know, initially that was the discussion yesterday as Mississippi State was headed to the Belk Bowl to play Virginia Tech. Well, we're not. There was some last-minute maneuvering, and so here is what I have been told. Tennessee, and we have talked about this on the show many times, Tennessee did not want Nashville. Nashville certainly wanted Tennessee. But I was told probably 10 days ago that Phil Fulmer, athletic director of Tennessee, really wanted Tennessee to have a chance to go to a Florida ball game and would prefer the Gator. Wanted any Florida ball game. Wanted the Gator if they had their druthers. But they wanted the prestige of that Florida game, and and uh, and and I get it, I understand it. You know, I think it's one of those things too that uh, we've done that a lot lately, so we understand. I think this year we were just kind of happy to get into a bowl game, and the fact that we're getting to go to a Tennessee bowl game in the better of the two, Nashville, is big. It's big. And so, looking at the uh, the Tennessee bowl history here, got it right out here in front of us. It has been a while, a while, since uh, 
Tennessee had the chance to go play in a, in a Florida ball game. Just so you guys know, it was back uh, 2016. They played in the Outback Bowl uh, against Northwestern. They won that ball game. The last ball game for Tennessee was 2016 the Music City Bowl. Butch Jones takes them there. Did not make a bowl game the last two years. Went to the Gator Bowl last in 2014. That was the 2014 season, so January 2nd, 2015. Of the last four bowl games, and it's crazy to think about this, in this decade, Tennessee has been to just four bowl games. This will be their fifth. And Tennessee used to be a mainstay in the bowl picture, one of the national powers. They have been to the Music City Bowl two two times in their last four bowl trips. Two times in the last four. So they wanted the Florida Bowl game. They're going to get the Florida Bowl game. Mississippi State, I think, was happy to do anything. But I am told that Mississippi State officials continued to kind of fight for Nashville. You know, hey, we'd have been happy going anywhere. We'll, we'll go and we'll do a good job. But uh, Nashville is our preference. And so with Tennessee not wanting Nashville, and from what I understand, the Music City Bowl has not had great experiences with Kentucky. And I don't mean like Kentucky as a program, but Kentucky fans have not turned out in recent years. When Northwestern took on Kentucky in the Music City Bowl 2017, just 48,000 tickets sold. That is the lowest number of tickets sold since 2005 when Virginia and Minnesota played in the game. One of the lowest turnstile totals in Music City Bowl history was Kentucky and Northwestern. And Northwestern won the ball game. We have not been since 2011. Mississippi State played Wake Forest 2011, had 55,208 folks come to that ball game. At least ticket sold. Hopefully, we'll have a big number too. Hopefully, we can get a big number. But this is our first chance to go to back to Nashville. Uh, we have not played in the city of Nashville since 2011 when we played Wake Forest. We have not played at Vanderbilt since 2009. That's Dan Mullen's first year. So it is not a regular trip for the Bulldogs. We play in other sports, but this is the first time that the football Bulldogs have been there in a long time, eight years. So we get what we want. And so Kentucky goes to the Belk Bowl. Now, the Belk Bowl uh, is going to lose its Belk Bowl sponsorship after this year. Going to lose the, uh, the, the SEC tie-in. This will be the first and probably only time Kentucky goes to the Belk Bowl. You, for those of you that need some history here, the Belk Bowl originated as a Continental Tire Bowl and after three years became the Monarchy Car Care Bowl. It was primarily an ACC Big East bowl game for many years. And then they picked up the SEC tie just here a few years ago, back in 2014. You may recall Mississippi State played Dak Prescott's final game in the Mississippi State uniform in 2015. We went up there and beat NC State to death, 51-28. But this will be Kentucky's first trip. So, I'm not sure that everybody got exactly what they wanted. But Tennessee certainly got what they wanted. Mississippi State got what they wanted. 
and Kentucky gets a bowl experience they've never had before. And so I think that is a good situation. You know, and, and, you know, the Texas Bowl was in the middle of that the whole thing, too. There was a lot of discussion about Mississippi State heading to the Texas Bowl for the first time. A lot of discussion earlier in the process that Texas really wanted to get out of the state of Texas, but they're not. They're going to take on Oklahoma State. Texas A&M was in the Texas uh, Bowl back in 2016. They were also there back in 2011. So it is not an, uh, you know, it's it's not a um, a bad bowl game, I guess, for them. But I think most people agree, pretty a pretty disappointing season for A&M. We've got a lot of Mississippi State alums in Houston. I think we'd have done okay there. But to be honest with you, to be blunt, I'm not really excited about playing a Big 12 team with that, with the youth in our secondary, especially with Cam Dancer not playing. And you guys are well aware now Cam Dancer has elected to uh, to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft. Most people have him with a second or third round grade. Cam is also a father. He's going to graduate this spring. Uh, certainly wish he'd come back for selfish reasons, but certainly understand why he's doing it and wish him the absolute best. He will not play in the ball game. Cam has been a little bit banged up all year. That's one thing, too, most people maybe, maybe, maybe you don't know. But uh, he got banged up early in the year and uh, kind of battled with some neck stuff most of the year. And so he's going to spend time and get 100% healthy now, focus on his academics, focus on his draft preparations, and move on. Uh, Cam Dantzler, people, a lot of people forget, you know, Cam redshirted that first year. And so he is right where he needs to be academically to go ahead and finish up. So he, he will leave here with his degree. Happy for Cam Dantzler. Uh, also, too, I think, you know, that's the, kind of the, the silver lining in the whole thing with him being a little bit banged up is Martin Emerson and Jarion Jones have had a lot of playing time this year. That's the future of your Mississippi State secondary. Tyler Williams, a guy that's really kind of emerged this year, and Terrell Buckley said that he would. So I think our secondary will be fine there. Would like to have Cam in the ballgame. But, uh, but certainly, again, you understand. You know, everybody's got to do what's best for them. Uh, I, I am not a guy that, uh, you know, believes in foregoing the ball game. But in this situation, I think it's a little different because of the fact that Cam's not 100% healthy. You know, you could say, well, maybe he would be in December. I, I don't know that. I, I really don't. But uh, he has uh, been some been a good player for Mississippi State, made a lot of great plays. Wish him the absolute best and thank him for his contributions to Mississippi State football. So looking around the SEC Bowl schedule – just to make sure that everybody's kind of up to date on where that sits. So let's go and let's take a look here. So, as you guys are well aware, LSU, currently the kings of the college football world, they will play December 28th against Oklahoma in the Chick fil A Peach Bowl, which serves as one of the FBS playoff semifinals. Clemson, Ohio, Ohio State on the other side of that deal uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. LSU versus Oklahoma. I like the matchup. I don't think Oklahoma will be able to stop LSU. I also think that indoor turf might help Oklahoma a little bit speed-wise. I think Oklahoma can score a little bit. We'll see. Uh, we mentioned Oklahoma State versus A&M in the Texas Bowl. That will take place December 27th. That, that will be your first SEC Bowl game in Houston, Texas, in Energy Stadium. It's going to be interesting. I think A&M's got a chance to be a really good team next year. 
not that they'll really challenge, I think, for the West, but I think that they have a team that has a real chance to win a lot of games next year. This will be important, I think, for them. You know, listen, they lose this ball game, they're going to finish the year seven and six. Based on what they had, I don't think that's um, I don't think that's meeting expectations. But for some reason, Jimbo Fisher never really gets put on the hook. I don't know why that, what that's about. You know, Jimbo basically ran Florida State in the ground and then left for a bigger payday. Willie Taggart picks up the tab for Jimbo's recruiting failures in Tallahassee. And now Jimbo's, uh, you know, an eight and four, seven and five type coach there at A and M. I think next year is an important year for Jimbo. And everybody says, well, you know, they've got that huge contract. They've got a huge endowment at A and M too. They're they're committed to Jimbo, but uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I just I'm not a big fan of this. Really not. Okay, December thirtieth, Mississippi State versus. Uh, Louisville, happy to see those guys again. And uh, we have kind of had their number in recent years. They got us in Omaha earlier this year, kind of an anomaly. We have uh, really, really done a good job against them in most sports. Uh, I like the matchup as we get a little bit closer. We'll talk a little more about that. I also like the fact that it's in in, in a big arena like the Nissan Stadium in Nashville. I think it's a great trip for us. Eager to get up there and get going. It'll be here before we know it. I don't know if you guys are aware. We're already in bowl practices. We're already ready to go. Already ready to go. Later that day, Dan Mullen will take on uh, Virginia as the Florida Gators are back in the New Year's Six. And you can say what you want to about Dan Mullen. Two years in Florida, two 10-win seasons, and two New Year's Six bowl game appearances. Next year is a big year for, for Dan Mullen in Florida. They will probably be the favorites in the East. I would suspect that is probably the case. I think they will be the favorites in the East, especially with Kyle Trask coming back at quarterback. They'll have some losses, but I I don't think the East is going to be uh, great next year. I think Georgia, Georgia might be the only team Florida really has to worry about next year on that side of the conference. Uh, the Belk Bowl will have Virginia Tech versus Kentucky. That's an interesting matchup. Uh, I am not a big Kentucky fan, but I think they'll have plenty of time to kind of get ready for this deal. I mean, it's, it, what's so great, too, is you look at this whole thing with uh, Kentucky and Stoops. You know, the, those guys lose uh, lose two quarterbacks and uh, move a wide receiver there and just kind of keep on trucking. I don't know that I wouldn't spend a first-round draft pick on Lynn Bowden. New Year's Day ball games. Minnesota will take on Auburn. That's the PJ Fleck versus uh, Gus Malzahn game. You know, it's what is Auburn going to do? You know, it's like last year everybody knew that Gus was going to be coaching for his job. This year, did a great job in many respects. PJ Fleck and uh, Minnesota. PJ is a rising name in college football. I don't know that he leaves the Midwest, but they very easily could have won and, and made its way to the Big Ten championship game. They got destroyed by Wisconsin uh, in the rivalry game. But uh, I could see Minnesota winning this ball game against Auburn. Absolutely could. I, I think P.J. Fleck and his bunch have a chip on their shoulders. Michigan takes on Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how Alabama gets up to play this game. I don't know that Alabama's a good bowl team. They didn't win the West. They didn't win the SEC. They didn't make the playoff. 
you know, I think this is going to be a real challenge for the Alabama coaching staff. Of course, you've got the best college coach perhaps of all time calling the shots in Tuscaloosa. You get plenty of time to kind of get over the fact that uh, you, know, you, you didn't have the season you had hoped. But, uh, you know, the backup quarterback, Mac Jones, did a good job against Auburn. I, I think this will be interesting. It will be, uh, you know, Shea Patterson's year. But uh, I, I expect an entertaining ball game. I just I think if it boils down to a battle of wills, Nick Saban beats Jim Harbaugh to death. I think Michigan comes out and you know they'll they'll be excited. I just don't know if they can they have the speed to cover those Alabama wide receivers. The All-State Sugar Bowl, Georgia versus Baylor. You know Georgia didn't make the playoff, and uh, I picked Georgia to win the SEC in the preseason. I thought Georgia would win the SEC because I felt that they would be able to beat Alabama in Atlanta. And then, uh, of course, that didn't happen because LSU knocks off Alabama, and LSU proved to be probably the biggest surprise team in the country. I think most people expected them to be good. I don't think anybody expected them to be number one at the end of the regular season. Georgia last year laid an absolute egg in their ball game, and Texas destroyed Georgia. And I think a lot of people, including myself, said, you know what, Texas is back. And then Tom Herman says, no, we're not. And Texas has a very mediocre season, to say the least. Georgia versus Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. One day, I hope we get to the Sugar Bowl. One day. We, we, we had our chance in 2015 and blew it. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Indiana versus Tennessee. I like Tennessee in the game just because of the fact that um, – you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, these mid-level Big Ten teams, but I think Jeremy Pruitt, with enough time to prepare defensively, will have a good game plan together. So, you got nine SEC teams in the bowl games. You had more tie-ins than that. Of course, Liberty Bowl does not get an SEC team this year. But the bottom line is, nine teams are bowling. Mississippi State is one of them. So, for the 10th straight year, your Bulldogs are in the bowl picture. We're able to salvage something from a very frustrating year. All of that now, I think we can kind of push the pause button on just a little bit. We need to go win this ball game. If you remember this time last year, we had gone to Oxford, we had absolutely shelled Ole Miss and called off the dogs in that fourth quarter. It's a 35-3 ball game, probably should have been about a 50-50 two to three ball game or 56 to three whatever uh we we had a chance to really lay the hammer down didn't do it had the little exchange in the post game and joe moorhead kind of tells ross bjork how the cow eats the cabbage that gets videoed and i think a lot of people are like you know what this moorhead guy might be okay and then we look so underprepared for the outback ball we go out there we struggle a little bit we finally come back and we get the lead in the game and then we choke it away. And, yeah, it was a play here, play there. Nick should have hit Harris Williams uh, out in the flat. Would have been a touchdown. Uh, Stephen Gidry should have caught the ball. But uh, it was a multitude of issues. But the bottom line is we did not appear ready to play. And so you lose that game. And there was all this angst in the offseason. You're like, you know what? Yeah, we beat Ole, yeah, we beat Ole Miss and made a ball game. But, and, and I'm on the backside of that but, too. You know, I think to myself, you know what, we had a chance to end the year on a really, really strong note, and we didn't. And that dark cloud kind of hovered over us most of the offseason. And so now here, here we are again. We've beaten Ole Miss in hilarious fashion. 
We're back in a ball game after a very challenging year. And now we've got a chance to end the year on a winning note. And you guys are well aware of this. When you are a Mississippi State fan, coach, or player, you, you have to have two winning notes. We've got to string it together. You've got to win the egg, and then you've got to win the bowl game. Interesting to look at Mississippi State's history when State has had to go into in, in this past decade when you have played Ole Miss in a must-win, loser-leaves-town matchup, which was 2011, 2013, 2016. Mississippi State has won the egg and then gone on to win the bowl game. So history in that respect is on our side. I think in many respects you have to look at this as a new season. You have plenty of time to get everybody healthy. You have plenty of time to put in some new wrinkles. You have plenty of time to get some practice time for the younger guys. But you got to go beat Louisville. You've got to, you have to go beat Louisville. And there are a few guys that are still on this team that were part of that team that, that beat Lamar Jackson, who was the hottest thing in the NFL right now, in 2017. The 2017 Mississippi State team was slotted for the Outback Bowl, however, with Dan Mullen leaving State to go to Florida and Nick Fitzgerald being lost for the year after a cheap shot in the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State was not an attractive bowl team for bowl reps. So as a result, we get bumped down a notch and have to go to the Gator. That's one of the reasons they were so inclined to give it to us last year because of the fact that we hit, we earned it in 17 and didn't get the benefit of the bowl game because there were so many of the things around us. And listen, the ticket-buying public around Mississippi State was not very good in 2017. This is a different deal. And so I'm going to appeal to you, that those of you, no matter how you feel about the Jim Moorhead offense, no matter how you feel about the decision to retain Joe, let's put that aside for now. And let's go get behind these kids and go get behind this team and uh, let's make a trip to Nashville and go up there and have a great time together and let's go win the dadgum bowl game. And we'll come on home and then we'll figure the rest of it out. But we need some momentum. That's one of the things that we talked about on this show over a month ago. You needed to go 3-1 and one in November, get the egg back, and then get into the ball game, and then paint the picture of Garrett Schrader as the hero of the offseason, the face of this program moving forward. When we're two-thirds of the way there. We had the winning November. We won the games we were supposed to win. We got the egg back. We, pardon me. We kept the egg again. We get to the postseason. It is so eerily reminiscent of 2013 and 2016. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're going to come back next year and win 10 ball games. That's not what I'm, I'm forecasting. But when you face some adversity and you battle through it, that gives you a little bit of confidence heading into the next year. And I think the fact that we've got Garrett Schrader as our quarterback and that there will not be a quarterback controversy next year, that uh, you feel good about the direction of that. You've got to find some offensive skill. You've got to find some pass catchers, but the defense should be better. And that was kind of the that was kind of the issue this year. Those two positions, we had shaky quarterback play much of the year due to some injuries, including some to Schrader, including Clement Tommy Stevens, and we had some inexperience on the defensive front. Well, the good thing is, is just about everybody on defense is coming back next year. So we expect to be better on defense. We have identified ourselves a quarterback in Garrett Schrader. We've got some work to do, but I think two of the biggest issues from this year have been addressed. But we have got to look better on offense next year. And I believe the first step towards next year is this bowl game. Now, we talked about the nine teams that made the SEC Bowl schedule. There are some that did not. As you guys are aware, Vanderbilt did not make a bowl game. 
Vanderbilt, however, was in the bowl picture last year. Vanderbilt made it 2016 and 2018, so they have been recently. Derek Mason is hit in his group played in the 2018 uh, Texas Bowl last year. Uh, they get beat 45-38 by Baylor, but it was a very competitive ball game. But Vanderbilt went last year. They're retaining Derek Mason and, and certainly expect to have a better year next year. They were very, very young offensively. We'll see what happens next year. I don't know that Vanderbilt was anywhere close to what they normally have been defensively under Mason. But they have elected to retain him, so we'll see what happens. Missouri ineligible for a bowl game this year, despite their 6-6 six and six record. They went in 17-18. and 18. They were in the 17 Texas Bowl and then the 2018 Liberty Bowl. You guys know what a big fan I was of Drew Locke. Unfortunately, Drew leaves... Uh, Leaves with loss in the uh, in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl and lost in the uh, the Texas Bowl in 2017. That's the uh, the infamous Tom Herman trash talking episode there. But uh, but Missouri has been the last two seasons and they earned bowl eligibility this year. They just happened to be ineligible, as you guys are well aware of the NCAA ruling there. Arkansas bowl games a little bit different. You know, the, Arkansas has a rich history. They, however, did not go in 17 or 18. However, in 2016, they actually made two bowl games after the 15 season. You guys are aware that's the year they came to Starkville and didn't punt. Uh, probably not 16. Um, we went and beat them in 15. That was the Dak Prescott-Brenton Allen game. Uh, so they went in 16, and they go in at the – they're in a 16 bulk bowl. So they have been recently – didn't go – obviously, uh, in the 17 or 18 years and not going this year. So this will be the third straight year Arkansas has not had a bowl game. South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina, again, kind of a step back this year. It'll be interesting to see what they do there long-term with Muschamp. A lot of people weren't big fans of them, but they were in the Belk Bowl last year, 2018. The year before that, they were in the Outback Bowl knocked off Michigan, and then in 16, they were in the Birmingham Bowl. So Will Muschamp goes 16, 17, 18, doesn't make it this year. Had a lot of injuries, didn't make it, but they have been. And so looking at the numbers, you you do know there is uh, one team I didn't mention, and that's Ole Miss. Ole Miss now has the longest active streak of bowl futility. They have not been to a bowl game since 2015. So that's 16, 17, 18, and 19 that the SEC has put several teams in the bowl picture without Ole Miss. So if that's if, if you wanted your uh, trivia question answered, which current SEC team member or SEC team or member institution has the longest active bowl futility streak, it is the Ole Miss Rebels. So, and you guys are well aware of this, people uh, – a lot of people will say, well, Steve, what do you think about Lane Kiffin? I really don't think a lot about Lane Kiffin. I will say that he is a guy that really kind of lives on the juice. And what I mean by that is you know, he's a guy that has a lot of flash. He's a guy with a lot of charisma. And so I think that he is a guy that will give them some appeal because he will say some things that will make the media, that will get people fired up on both sides of the rivalry. I think he's going to add some real color to the rivalry. Uh, and, that, and that's great. I, I am a firm believer in that um, – in order for this rivalry to be really entertaining, you need some villains. Uh, Joe Moorhead 
really came off last year a little bit vanilla until he's out there popping off against, uh, pardon me, uh, correcting Ross Bjork for popping off on the field. And I think a lot of people saw a side of Joe they don't ordinarily see in press conferences. You know, but Matt Luke was a guy that was very fiery about, you know, pumping up his team. But he said all the right things about Mississippi State in the media. You know, he didn't go out there and, and trade barbs with any coaches and that sort of stuff. You know, and that was when Dan Mullen was here. You know, Dan kind of built his platform on on the school up north. You know, he never missed an opportunity to troll Ole Miss on Twitter in the early years. And then I think when Hugh Freeze came along, I think Hugh kind of, you know, beat a little of humility into um, to Dan Mullen. You didn't see Dan out there uh, talking quite so much trash on Twitter. Yeah, I remember when, uh, I guess it was his first year after we won the 09 Egg Bowl and the men's basketball team beat Ole Miss, I mean, as soon as the final seconds ticked off the clock, there was Mullen tweeting out, we would like to congratulate our men's basketball team for our dominance of the school up north. Uh, and so that is exactly how you kind of fire up a melancholy fan base, is you go out there and you poke your finger and you spit in the face of those kind of people, and uh, it, it galvanizes your fan base. So I expect Lane Kiffin to do some of that. I don't know that it'll happen initially. Uh, he has never been one that has been scared of a microphone. So I think that it will be amazing theater. I don't know that they will be a great football team. I do think he will make them better because I think that he is a guy that, uh, you know, he, he is a confident person, and so he kind of exudes confidence and instills confidence in other people. You know, they went and just won the Conference USA Championship game. And listen, those guys at Florida Atlantic had every reason to kind of lay down, I guess you could say. But they go out and they beat UAB. And that's the thing I think about, too. People always talk about Bill Clark. You know, it would be a great candidate. And then Bill Clark can't win the games that, that moves him from, you know, dark horse candidate to bona fide candidate. You know, he should have won that ball game. you got a lame duck coach and a team that doesn't have a lot to play for um, other than the championship and bragging rights. You know, they weren't going to improve their bowl packing stand, standing, you know, and, and then their coaches leaving. You could have given FAU every opportunity to lay down. They didn't. And so that's a yeah, tip of the cap to Lane Kiffin for having those kids ready to play. Bill Clark didn't have his guys ready to play, and it showed. But uh, there's a lot of people out there that you know, they have this, you know, oh, well, Lane Kiffin's going to do this. Listen, Lane Kiffin had Ed Orgeron on his staff at USC in Tennessee. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, Ed Orgeron's currently uh, the head coach of the number one team in the country at LSU. And I don't know who, who saw that coming. If we could flash back 10 years, you know, who in the world saw that coming? And so Ed did a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see what kind of staff Lane Kiffin puts together. But, you know, again, I, I think it, I think he makes for a good villain in the rivalry and not a stark villain, but, you know, an actual villain. And I think, I think in the most interesting stretches in the rivalry have been when you've had, somebody that was willing to kind of put on the dark hat. You know, when Jackie Sherrill came in, you know, the best sentence I've ever heard about Jackie Sherrill, and I wish I remember who told me this because I would attribute it to them. But when Jackie Sherrill took the job at Mississippi State, Jackie spit in the face of Ole Miss and then dared them to spit back. And it took a long time before they did. And so Jackie, I thought, brought some real color to the rivalry. I think Houston Knott brought some color to the rivalry. Um, and then certainly Dan Mullen did. But, you know, if you look back over the years, you know, you've had some colorful characters uh, that have come forth and kind of really 
you know, made this rivalry great. You know, there, there were a lot of years that it wasn't great. It really wasn't much of a rivalry at times. There were times when Mississippi State dominated the series and then times with Ole Miss when they dominated the series. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss is ahead overall. And a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that Ole Miss was committed to football a lot during some decades when Mississippi State filled a team and didn't always have the support of the administration. Well, they have it now. And, again, you look at the past 30 years, State actually has an advantage uh, in the series. But uh, I am not worried about Lane Kiffin. Uh, I, I, th- I wish they would do a reality show, to be honest with you. I think it would be – I think it would be great theater. I think it would be fun to watch. Uh, and, again, I think he will say and do some things that will make it very entertaining. I do also think they've got a very difficult schedule next year. I think they're staring five and seven right in the face next year. And so if he could put them in a situation where they win the bowl game, and you better believe would State be in the regular season finale and then probably needing that game to get bowl eligibility, we will get their best shot. But let me tell you this, Bulldog fans, uh, we'll worry about the Egg Bowl the week of the Egg Bowl. There's a lot to cheer for between now and then. I know many of you, because I see your comments on Facebook, are already wringing your hands worrying about the golden egg. Uh, We can't play that game until November. So let's enjoy the egg because we have it again. As you guys are well aware, we had uh, recruits on campus this weekend. They were able to take their picture with the golden egg. Ole Miss will host some recruits this weekend. They can see a picture of the golden egg. They can see a video of the golden egg. But they can't see the golden egg because the golden egg is in Starkville. Getting to this recruiting stuff, too, we, uh, we had a big weekend, as I mentioned, let me run down a couple things here for you. Uh, interviewed, uh, Paul Jones and I interviewed 20 of the 24 visitors. There were a couple guys we couldn't get up with. We'll catch up with them later in the week. But a good list, a good a good group of guys. Uh, we did pick up a commitment over the weekend, and that was kicker Brandon Ruiz from Arizona State. Wrote his commitment story last night. That is a free story available on jeanspage.com right now. The Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. You can go check out that for free. But uh, Ruiz is a guy that took official visits to Oregon State and to, to Louisiana Lafayette. Yes, I said it. I dare say it again. Louisiana Lafayette. And then elected to, to go to Mississippi State. Longtime friends with Tucker Day. They both played in the U.S. Army game. Uh, so this is big news. It's big news for Mississippi State. He will come in and compete in both place-kicking disciplines, field goal kicking, and kickoffs. And there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, Steve, what's going on with this? The same people, and we've all complained about special teams this year. And so if, if you have complained about special teams, please do not ask the question about, well, why are we bringing in a specialist? Because clearly we are addressing some issues with special teams. So we, 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 let's not be miserable over both. We have issues. We're taking steps to correct them. And I'm happy Brandon Ruiz is here. He will be a May grad and be here uh, for summer workouts and be ready to compete. Emmanuel Forbes tells Paul Jones uh, that uh, he is not going to visit anywhere this weekend. He will actually be at Mississippi Alabama All-Star Practices, and I will too on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm sure you'll read a bunch of articles today, a bunch of slanted articles today about you know, every, I'm sure every Ole Miss reporter in the world will be there with a the, with a camera and a microphone. Well, it probably won't be a camera because then we'd, we'd get to see the actual video. But they'll have a recorder. Hey, what do you think about Lane Kiffin? What do you know about Lane Kiffin? Do you want to ride the Lane train? I want to ride the Lane train. Come on, ride that train. You know, and so you'll hear a lot of that. But Emmanuel Forbes says yesterday that he is going to go ahead and sign 
on December 18th at Mississippi State. Now, I don't expect Ole Miss to go away. I expect them to try to be in contact with friends and family and that sort of stuff this week to try to get Forbes to prolong the process. That was the discussion here about 10 days ago is that Ole Miss really wanted him to give them a chance to uh, to visit with the new coaching staff and not make a decision in December. A December signing is certainly favorable for Mississippi State. And as of yesterday, Forbes said he planned to sign then. Now, I am confident that Ole Miss will work overtime and say, hey, listen, let's just slow it down a little bit. If Mississippi State still wants you, they'll wait for you. That'll be the rhetoric. Well, we'll see what he does. He doesn't have a relationship with Lane Kiffin. He does have a relationship with some of those defensive coaches, and they won't completely change out the staff. They'll have some guys. I know Mike McIntyre is expected to be back as D.C., so there will be some coaches that have had some interaction with Forbes and others. So be prepared for that. You know, So just because he says it yesterday doesn't mean that's how he'll feel on the night of the 17th. So they will work overtime. There is still some drama left to unfold in that deal. Uh, Decameron Richardson came in, defensive back out of Bowser City, if you have seen the length of him and his pictures, you can see why Mississippi State would love him to come play corner. Like those guys with a, with a, with a big catch radius for sure. Richardson had a great time at Mississippi State, expected to visit Tennessee this weekend and then make a decision prior to the 18th. He's a very good player, very good measurables, very good speed. A little bit of a sleeper. He is a guy as a senior that has played his way into some SEC opportunities. Would be a very good get. Talked to Jaquavius Marks yesterday. He had a visit scheduled for Florida for this coming weekend. He is now unsure if he will take that visit. If memory serves me correct, Dan Mullen has already used his in-home visit with Jaquavius Marks. Jaquavius Marks also an early enrollment guy. He tells me his current plan is is to sign with Mississippi State on the 18th, even if he does visit Florida, and then be here for bowl practices. Because he is an early enrollment guy, he will have the opportunity to come in and take part in bowl practices. Tulu Griffin, that's one that we're still watching a little bit. He's saying all the right things, plans to be at Mississippi State, and then he tweets out a comment about Mike Norvell at Florida State. You know, there are some kids out there that kind of enjoy the social media aspect of that. Uh, Griffin is one that is a very explosive player. He is a guy that will still be in demand. A lot of people want him to to prolong the process because of some of the schools that are recruiting him have had coaching changes, and he is one that we're really watching. The hope is that he'll sign on the 18th. No guarantee, but that's the hope. Malik Heath says he's going to sign on the 18th and says that uh, he's already visited Florida and Mississippi State, does not plan to take a visit anywhere next weekend and then plans to sign on the 18th and is eager to get to Mississippi State and get going. I don't expect Florida to go away. Billy Gonzalez and Dan Mullen uh, were very instrumental in getting Malik Heath to commit to Mississippi State at Callaway High School while it was Joe Moorhead that ultimately signed him. Billy Gonzalez and Dan Mullen have all come back and recruited him again and said, hey, listen, we're the ones that really wanted you. And so they have tried to kind of play the the ex-girlfriend card. You know, I believed in you first, that sort of thing. As of now, it looks like Malik's going to be okay. If he signs in December, uh, that's a great sign. But I, I, I could see him, because I'm not exactly sure where he is. He says he's going to be able to enroll in January, but he tells me he's just finishing up some coursework. If that is prolonged and he becomes a spring grad, then he would sign in February more than likely. But we'll see. We'll see. 
Uh, Eli Acker, Ole Miss Commitment, took the visit. Listen, there are some kids that grow up cheering for certain schools. Eli Acker's one of those guys. Been an Ole Miss guy his whole life. I think he would probably go on to Ole Miss no matter who the head coach was. He gave Mississippi State an opportunity to host him. Probably smart of him just to kind of keep his options open because you never know how things are going to stand with Ole Miss. But, listen, I, I think no less of the kid. I think no less of Mississippi State for bringing him in because if you don't bring him in, all the message board talk would be, can you believe Joe Moorhead didn't bring that kid in? He grew up 20 minutes down the road, and he really wanted to come to Mississippi State, and Joe wouldn't even recruit him. None of that's true, but that would have been the narrative. And so you bring him in, you take your shot, and then you hope for the best. But I expect Eli Acker to stick with Ole Miss, and you know what? That's perfectly fine. Very good football player. Uh, look, I hope he has a great career but loses every egg ball. Uh, Dylan Johnson came in. Really excited about DJ. I think he is one of the more undervalued recruits in the class. I really do. I think he is a guy that needs, uh, you know, probably a year to kind of get up to college speed, but I could see him making some plays next year. Very, very competitive. A kid that's used to winning, won three state championships on the football field. Now getting ready to go play basketball. Great athlete, for sure. Uh, Janari Dean came in, and uh, really not much going on with him. You know, he said he really wanted to get that Alabama offer, really wanted to get that Georgia offer. He got him, but in the end felt Mississippi State was the best place for him. They're talking about him playing strong safety and him having an opportunity to play some as a freshman. Feel good about that commitment. Really like him a lot. Rodney Gross Jr. will not play in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. Tells me he's got a left shoulder injury. We'll probably have to have surgery in the offseason to kind of get him ready. So as a result, we don't expect much from him the next few months. That's okay. There are some guys like that. Good player. Won't be an all-star game, but I'm, let me go ahead and get ahead of that so there's not questions all week. Hey, why didn't this kid play an all-star game? He didn't play an all-star game because he's hurt. He bowed out of the game. Tyrus Wheat was in. Tyrus Wheat looks like an SEC linebacker. I mean, he's like running like 250 pounds, running a legit 4'5", 8", 4'5", something ridiculous like that. I know that uh, the new staff at Ole Miss already kind of reaching out. You know, there's uh, some of those coaches that are being retained saying, hey, listen, give us a shot. You haven't had a chance to talk with our new coach. It's part of the process. Feel good about where things stand with Wheat right now. Willie Gay was his host over the weekend. I like that. I like that a lot. I think it's a good decision. Javorga Selman visited. Not really much going on with him. You know, he's eager and ready to go. A little bit undersized, but uh, a guy that we want to use as a punt and kick returner early in his career while he begins to get up to speed as an SEC corner. A little bit different guy. Probably a guy that could play some at nickel, and we'll see how they utilize him. Very fleet of foot. Had a big senior season. Don't expect any drama with him. Uh, we didn't get a chance to speak to Jaden Wally, but you know you saw in this picture, State's bringing in some pretty interesting wideouts. That's wide receiver recruiting has kind of been a moving target for Mississippi State in recent years. But Jaden is one of those guys I think is a real sleeper. I think he is a guy that needs a ball in his hands. And I, when you look at the length, and there's a picture out there, it's just talking about wideouts. Tula Griffin, Caleb Ducking, Jaden Wally, Malik Heath. Uh, we are addressing wide receiver recruiting in this class. Four guys that we think have big play potential. Need them all to come in ready to go, for sure. Jevin Banks was supposed to visit Tennessee last weekend, a week before last. 
canceled that visit, visited Mississippi State. He's good to go. Had talked about prolonging the process just to take a couple visits. That's not the plan now. Will Rogers, an early enrollment guy, he leaves today for Mississippi-Alabama All-Star practices. We'll hopefully go win that game on Saturday, come back, have the big ceremony, get to school on the 18th, and then pack a bag and head to Starkville and get ready to participate in bowl practices. Of course, those guys won't be able to go to the bowl site and be part of the roster and all that kind of stuff, but they'll be able to go through practice. Eager to see those guys for sure. Uh, Caleb Duckings, a guy we've talked about recently, a very intriguing guy. We didn't have a chance to catch up with him, but again, not expecting any drama with him. He is a developmental guy. I could see them redshirting him, but I think it all depends on how quickly he can acclimate. Cameron Thread is a guy that initially was recruited as a safety. He is going to play corner. Very excited about playing for Terrell Buckley. Uh, every time that I see Cameron, he is uh, decked out in maroon and white. Grant Jackson is a huge football player. Huge. Look at that picture, if you hadn't seen it, it's on social media, of all the commitments together. And the big, long, tall guy is uh, Grant Jackson. There's a lot of length in that picture, but Grant Jackson's the biggest of the bunch. Old country boy, I, every time I, t- I talk to that kid or hear from him, he's out there you know, feeding the cattle or riding horses or something. This, this is, he, this, he reminds me a lot of David Stewart. Calvin McMillian and his family came in. Uh, Calvin, very intriguing, very athletic, bigger guy. Expecting big things from him. His decisions made. No problems with him at all. Trey Lawson came in. And that's national champion Trey Lawson, so put some respect on his name. Trey's ready to go. And I think about Trey and Jordan Davis lining up together on opposite sides of the formation. That's one of the things this year State really struggled with is generating pass rush, just sending it to the front four. That's going to get remedied in a hurry with Trey Lawson and Jordan Davis. Chauncey Rivers, Kobe Jones, both had good years this year, had the big moments. But I think having the length of Trey Lawson and Jordan Davis makes that group better. Armandus Cooley, he'll slide inside and play defensive tackle. No drama there. Uh, expecting him to – I don't know how much he'll play next year, probably the four games. But physically, he's in a lot better shape than many high school players. Uh, Ray Curry came in. I'm not sure what to expect of Ray Curry. He was a guy early on that was talking about committing to Mississippi State. Didn't want to say a whole lot. Currently committed to Missouri. I think they're going to kind of wait the process out and see what their options are. We'll see what happens there. If I had to call it today, I would say he's not in a Mississippi State class, but things obviously could change. Benjamin Key comes in and his family, and then he'll, uh, he'll, he'll go back out there and finish his finals at East L.A. College and then go home to Australia for Christmas and then be back and ready to go. This is another guy you look at and you say, you know what, he's he's bigger than listed, looks more athletic than listed. You'll see his film, you'll see what I'm talking about. So Mississippi State had some youth and inexperience on the defensive line. They will add to uh, their number next year. Many these stopgap guys. And I mentioned Jordan Davis. If, if you want to know about a guy, people always say, well, who's the one guy, who's the can't-miss guy in this class? And there are a lot of guys that I really like. But the one guy that I look at and say this guy should be a difference maker from day one, this is the guy that should be on the NFL radars from day one, is Jordan Davis. 6'5", 250, an explosive first step, a very mean and aggressive tackler. I expect him to have a big year at Mississippi State next year, as should you. Don't know what we'll have this weekend. Probably have a couple guys in. Don't expect a big weekend. State doesn't have a lot of visits left to, to use, to utilize. 
already used, I guess, what, 26? And so they'll want to save some for February. But, uh, you know, listen, you want you got to make hay when the sun is shining. So probably bring in a couple guys. I suspect it will be on the road recruiting a lot this weekend. I, I believe that's what we'll be doing. We'll be doing a lot of those in-home visits. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. They will treat you like family because in their eyes you are family. Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie who gets more lovely by the day. Go by and see them. They are happy to take care of you. And listen, Mom, let me go ahead and speak on behalf of everybody in your family. Everybody wants that new Mississippi State merchandise. You can get the Egg Ball Victory shirts right now at Campus Bookmart. You can go ahead and... Get your Music City Bowl shirts on order. They're going to have all that for you. Everybody wants new Mississippi State merchandise. Everybody. And you need to go grab that. And you can do that at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, let me give you a little way to save a little Christmas money. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Again, that's BSR. Go to campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So, uh, women's basketball game yesterday. After I got done interviewing uh, visitors, we made a high tail up there to uh, to watch the ladies play. A little disappointed in the effort in the fourth quarter, as was Vic Schaefer, but I, I thought Vic was pretty good in the post game. Thought that Vic might explode, he didn't. Um, you know, and I think one of the things is there's going to be some inconsistency on both ends of the floor when you're dealing with a younger team. And we are. We're definitely – we're very, very talented, but we're very young. We're learning to win in those tight ball games. West Virginia, a very talented and experienced team. Big win for them. Now 6-1 and one on the year, Mississippi State falls to 8-2. and two. Uh, Running the numbers here, Jessica Carter, uh, nearly a double-double, 11 points and 8 rebounds. Did not think she was near the factor that uh, – that she ordinarily is, and I think some of that's because of the fact that uh, West Virginia kind of knew what they needed to do, and so that you know they did their best to kind of deny her the basketball. Rakia Jackson, probably her best all-around game in the uniform, uh, nine rebounds on the day, 15 points, did have six turnovers, and that was something that Vic Schaefer would address. Also, 36 minutes of action. She's playing her way into SEC shape. Maya Taylor, really good job on the defensive end. Had a couple rebounds, eight total points, played 33 minutes, six assists against just the one turnover, and the one turnover came late in the ballgame. It kind of removed all doubt. Andy Espinosa-Hunter got the start last night over Chloe Bibby. Andy still hadn't really got going yet. Uh, just the one shot, 0 for 3 from three-point lane, three-point line, uh, one rebound, just the two points. Really need to get her going. Jordan Danbury, a big ball game for her, 19 points, which led off scorers, uh, six rebounds, five turnovers, and a couple of those were definitely on her. And just the one steal, a team high 37-31 in action as far as minutes go played. Uh, Chloe Bibby and Vic Schaefer told us uh, late in postgame that Chloe has had a toe injury that kind of has kept her out of practice, which is one of the reasons that Andy started. Uh, Chloe, two of five, one of two from four from three-point line. Four rebounds, seven points, a couple steals, 21 minutes of action. Need to get her healthy. We've got a week to kind of do that. Next ball game will be uh, next Monday uh, at Louisiana. But uh, we didn't play exceptionally well. State down at the half. Uh, Jordan Danbury hit a shot right at the buzzer to 
you know, to kind of give us a little juice going in. We come out in that third quarter. We more than double their score. We, we 27-13 advantage in the third quarter. And then it took so much out of us, we couldn't finish. And uh, West Virginia outscored State 22-10 in the fourth quarter to win 71-65. There is going to be some ebb and flow with an inexperienced team like this. We'll get better. We play in our better ball by the end of the year. But uh, these are the games that get you ready for SEC play. We're not used to losing these games, but we did. That's two in a row now for Mississippi State. Two losses in a row. So we'll see what happens. There is not a lot of activity uh, sports-wise for us for a little while. We're not going to have uh, women's basketball back in Humphrey Coliseum for for a little stretch here. You know, they, they've been on the road a good bit. We lose that ball game. They're going to be at Lafayette on their way to Vegas and then uh, in that duel in the desert tournament that will take place next weekend. So that's the weekend of the 20th. We'll play there, and then we'll kind of get into bowl season. But we'll, we'll be back in Starkville for women's basketball December 29th. That's the Sunday before the Music City Bowl. And a lot of us will be on the road uh, to Nashville. But that's the next time the ladies are back in action. And that's the final non-conference game before we get into SEC play. We open at home uh, against Florida on January 2nd. So looking on the men's side of things, you know, it's, it seems like it's been forever since the men have played. Uh, it hasn't been. It was last Thursday. We played uh, losing a Tech, lose that ball game. They'll be back in action this Saturday, Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. in New, Newark, New Jersey, in the Never Forget Tribute Classic. Again, very happy that we're a part of that. But a week from Wednesday, the men return to Humphrey Coliseum. That's December 18th. That should be the final game without Nick Weatherspoon. So we'll be we'll play without Nick against Kansas State and without Nick against Radford, and then he should make his debut against New Mexico State in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, in the Mississippi Coliseum. Hopefully, you can turn out to make that. So uh, it is a busy week for me, even though that there are, there are not any games to cover involving Mississippi State teams this week. For those of you that are inclined, uh, several book signings this week. Let me run this down for you real quick here. Uh, Tuesday, which is tomorrow night from 6 to 9, I will be with the Mississippi State Gulf Coast Alumni Association at Giuseppe's Restaurante in Biloxi, Mississippi. That's at 195 Porter Avenue. Again, it's Tuesday, December 10th in Biloxi, Giuseppe's Restaurante. Thursday, I'll be back in the Golden Triangle at the Grapevine on Gardner Boulevard in Columbus from 11 to 1.30. And then Saturday, it's a big day. Three signings on Saturday. We'll open up today 11.30 to 1.30 at College Corner in Ridgeland. Saturday, 2 to 3, I'll be at Lemuria in Jackson. And then that afternoon, 3.30 to 5.30 at College Corner in Flowood. So three signings on Saturday in the capital city. Come on out. should be able to catch me one of those. So that's College Corner, Ridgeland, 11.30 to 1.30. Lemuria Books in Jackson, 2 to 3. And then College Corner in Flowood, 3.30 to 5.30. Really looking forward to seeing you guys. We had a great week last week. I tell you, every time we go out, every time I'm always a little bit nervous. I'm always thinking, you know what? I hope we have a good day. I hope the bookstore has a good day. I hope the vendor has a good day. We had a great time in Tupelo on Saturday. We did double with Stark Villains what we did with Flim Flam at our book signing in Tupelo. And uh, you can go right now. Everywhere that I go, we leave books behind, sign books behind. And you can go and find those books. And so... Main, this past week, I was at Main Street Books in Hattiesburg on Monday. 
great signing there. Tuesday had a great day at Stribling's Pharmacy in Philadelphia. One of the biggest stops of the tour so far. Incredible. Wednesday, I was at the uh, Bulldog Shop in Meridian. Another great signing. Even had the TV crews come out. And then Saturday, a great day in Tupelo. So you can, at Barnes & Noble. If you miss those signings, you can go to those vendors right now and you can buy signed books. If you can't make it out, you can always go to StarkVillainsToBook.com and have a personalized copy sent directly to your home. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you darn well should be, you can find that at StarkVillains.com. And uh, they're doing great. And everybody can get orders out and plenty of time for you for Christmas. If you are looking, if you're looking to buy a book online from the website, there is no guarantee that we're going to have books the last week before Christmas. They're already in the middle of getting another printing order. I don't know that we're going to have the books delivered by Christmas. So to ensure that you get one, you might want to go ahead and order today. It's very, very important for those of you that want to have those stocking stuffers or that late gift, and everybody's got a Mississippi State fan on their Christmas list. And so you can go to Turnrow Books in Greenwood. They've got books there. You can go to Lemuria Books. It's all over the state. But if you need a personalized copy and you can't make it to a book signing, that's your best option, StarkVillainsToBook.com. Well, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Wednesday, maybe a little bit later in the day. It's an important day for me, and I'll explain more about that uh, when we get together. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.